0: So, Shrek is the soundtrack of our family. And if you hang around with our family long enough, you'll hear someone insert a a quote from Shrek. Something about, you know, I like that boulder. That's a nice boulder. Or in the morning, I'm making waffles. Or someone walks out of a particular room and they go, brimstone. It's the, it's the soundtrack of, of my, child's, chil, my children's childhood, and I think what's really amazing when we look at these stories in Scripture, these big stories that we've been looking at over these 10 Summer Sundays, is we can step out of them and just look at how remarkable they are. Like, these are the kind of stories they turn into blockbuster movies, because The history of scripture, God's story that he's woven through scripture, it is a remarkable story. And we're kind of in that third of the series of Moses, who is one of the fathers of of the faith that stands out because of just how influential he was in helping to shape the nationhood of Israel, this sense of being the people of God. And three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, we met him at the burning bush, and we got this idea of God calling us, but he calls us into relationship with him. He calls us into that sense of freedom, and he calls us into purpose, so that it's not just about our own individual salvation, but it's meant to pour out. It's supposed to fill us up. God comes in and, and heals us internally, and then that comes and pours out into the world that we connect to in mission. And we saw him go and then take that same freedom and extend it to God's people to break oppression, to break bondage, to break the slave mentality. And it brought us to the edge of this this barrier, the, the, the Red Sea. And we talked about how God parted the sea, but in Jesus Christ, The seas have been parted permanently. There is no longer any barriers between us and God because in Jesus, we get to walk through as opposed to getting stopped at this large chasm that exists between where God wants us to be and where we are. And today, we come to this fantastic story of Balaam and this donkey. And it's a story of God's involvement in life. That's the fingerprints all over this. We see the context of God being active in the world. And so we have at this point, probably somewhere around 38 or so years after those events of the exodus... And we have seen an entire generation perish in the desert. And we have this new generation, and you can see in them a change of attitude. So over the course of wandering the desert for 40-odd years, they have lost their slave mentality, and they've picked up a bit of a fight. And so we've heard the stories of them actually going into battle and actually their reputation is beginning to spread and fear is starting to take its place in in the nations that were surrounding Canaan, the promised land. And so the king gets afraid. And so in his fear, he reaches out to Balaam. Balaam. And he asks Balaam to curse the Israelites. See, he knows that the curse isn't going to destroy them, but what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to kind of soften them up before he goes into battle with them. But what's really sad is that God had already told Moses, made Moses' promise not to touch Moab. So the king had nothing to worry about. But God is saying to the people, keep moving forward. And so in comes this story. And right before him getting onto the donkey, he had had this conversation with Balak. And he was told, I I can only do or say what God allows me to say. And God had said, don't go with them. So he had already received the message not to go. And so the king offers him basically a blank check. He says, you can have whatever you want. And Balaam says, even if he gives me his castle, this is right before the Passover, even if he gives me his castle, even if he gives me his lands, even if he gives me everything, I still won't go unless God says I can go. And you have this kind of a sense of piety happening here, this holiness, except for the fact that he's got this big if. And that's our key to this passage. You see, God had already made it clear to Balaam that he wasn't to go. He had already made it clear you were not to curse Israel. He'd already made it clear what his will was, but in this moment of greed and desire for self-fulfillment, Balaam throws in doubt. And then he proceeds to ask God again. And then surprisingly, God says, go ahead. It's kind of this... Moment where you think has God changed His mind? Now, if God hasn't changed His mind, God doesn't change His mind. Numbers twenty-three, nineteen says God is not a man so that He does not, so He does not lie. He's not human so He does not change His mind. Has He ever spoken and failed to act? Has He ever promised and not carried it out? And so Balaam's testing God. He's pushing the envelope. He gets pretty excited, right? Because, oh, God says I can go. So God is releasing Balaam into his own greed. And so Balaam sets out on this donkey. And then God puts roadblocks against him. And he beats the donkey. And God's upset about this. The angel says, Why are you beating the donkey? Even the donkey says, Why are you beating me? And you have this incredible story of God intervening in the world. And so you have this moment in time where God's character is shining through. It does not change with the circumstances. It does not change with what is happening. Oh, hello. It does not change with what we want. It is a moment where Israel once again is seeing God's unchanging nature. Now there's this pattern that shows up in Scripture again and again and again. Amazing things happen, and then the, the people tend to move away from what God had done. We saw it at Sinai. We saw it again when they crossed the Red Sea. We see it in the life of David where he gets this promise. He gets this amazing moment where God says, this is what I'm going to do for you, and then it, they follow it up with sin and disobedience. And so this is a constant reminder in Scripture. And so we have a new generation of Israelites here. They need to hear this story all over again. And we need to hear this story all over again. That God does not change his mind. But this is an incredibly hopeful story. You see, God is active in the lives of his people and in the world. And so the first thing we see is that he's active in creation. We see this in the voice of a donkey who starts to speak. We see this in the image of this angel standing there directly intervening in the natural order of things. And so Balaam couldn't move move forward because this angel was standing in the way. God was intervening And he was active in his world and in creation. It wasn't random. It isn't chaos. God is in control at each and every moment. God is also intervening and active in the events of the history of Israel. He's been forming these people from the beginning. It started with the promise to Abraham, which which Terence shared with us a few weeks ago. It moved through him not abandoning them to Egypt. And he's brought them through the desert experience and he's forming them as a nation, as his people and every step of the way he has been active and involved in guiding them to the promised land. He is carrying out his purpose and he is standing against anything that will move us in a direction, that will move Israel in a direction away from what God wants them to be. But God is not just active in the lives of his people. We see he's active in the nations. He's directly intervening against the king who's seeking a curse against God's people. But it is moving into this place where if the story, if we continue with the story, Balaam not only does not curse Israel, he ends up blessing them three times. Because he will not speak against what God wants him to do. And so God is intervening in the lives and in the the nations of the world in order to see his will carried out. He is active in the lives of individual people. There's great greed and disobedience in the actions of Balaam, but he still ended up being and doing what God called him to do because he stood in the way and there was no way that he was going to be able to move against What God's will was. God had already determined the course. And even if we have this sense of ambivalence in Balaam, he's he's got this if. If it's God's will. If you want me to go back. If you want me to do this. And God had already made it clear. So God is not allowing Balaam to continue on this path of disobedience. He's intervening in the lives of individual people. And he intervenes in every area of life. God is active. He's active in creation. He's active in the movement of history. He's active in the nations of the world. And he's active in the lives of individual people. Now we said a couple of weeks ago, this is our story as well. It's not just this historical event. When we become God's people, when we become disciples of Jesus, this becomes our history. And so we can can consider from here that God is active in his church. Now as I was thinking through this passage, I began to notice some things. I began to, as I was praying through it, God, what are you doing? What do you want us to see in this passage? And I suddenly started to feel a great sense of hope. Because I started to look at the news, I started to look at current events, and then I saw them in the light and the lens of this particular passage. If we just look at current events, if we look at what's in the news this morning. We're hearing about heat domes, we're hearing about flooding. We're hearing about global warming and climate change. We're hearing about forest fires. We're hearing about entire towns being wiped out. In Australia, in, in California, in British Columbia, we have fires here in Alberta. And then we hear that God is active in his creation. See, none of this is a surprise to God. and None of this is a problem for God. And so I get from this, is that we are called to be stewards. We're called into mission. But sometimes it can feel like we're working in vain. How can we as small individuals make any serious difference in a world that seems bent toward destruction? How do we address climate change? Should we address climate change? And then you get this story of God's active involvement in creation. And it brings me to the place where, if I am being faithful and I'm being a good steward as God has called me to do, I can step out in hope and in faith that God is going to do something with the mustard seed that I'm working with. And so I look after what God has given me, I look after my home. I look after my plot of land. I do my best to care for God's creation. And I trust that he is still in control and guiding us every step of the way. God is active in history. We talked last week about faith versus fear. About I can fear what's happening in front of me. I can can fear the enemy. Or I can fear God, which means obedience. And I can lean into trust with him. And because God is active in history, there's really nothing that we need to fear about. This is relevant for our own stories. We can see historical events unfolding around us. We can start to wonder, what is going on in our world? We can see the collapse of, of, of things that we once held dear. And we can begin to ask some serious questions about, where does our future going. because God is active in history we need not fear and we can live with the hope because he is guiding us toward an end and so we can live in that place and understand and listen and know that God is sovereign and he's sovereign in the nations of the world Turn on your news, you hear about war in Ukraine. You hear about unrest in South Sudan. You hear about the the disruption that's going on all over the world. The Pope is arriving to Edmonton this this afternoon. And we have the disruption of, of how do we deal with reconciliation? And he's coming to apologize. God is active in the nations. And he's bringing about reconciliation. He's calling us to listen. To be attentive to his movement. Because he's doing something. Because at times it can feel like we have no ability to impact change. And the church's reputation is so badly tarnished. And we're just trying our best to be faithful. And how do we change such incredible brokenness? How can we impact healing? How can we have any hope of changing the directions of things when so many people have so much ill will towards the church? And then you hear that God is active and He's changing things. And so we work toward reconciliation. We listen, whether it be with First Nations people or whether it be in our own home. We can seek to come together because God is active in the nations. God is active in human life. It doesn't matter what our story is, it doesn't matter what brokenness we've experienced, it doesn't matter if we have made a colossal error in our past. God is active in our history. AND HE'S IN THE BUSINESS OF RECONCILING. HE'S IN THE BUSINESS OF DRAWING US INTO HEALING. HE'S IN THE BUSINESS OF SAYING, I WANT YOU TO TAKE THE LONG VIEW BECAUSE I'M NOT DONE WITH YOU YET. I'M NOT DONE WITH YOUR FAMILY. I'M NOT DONE WITH YOUR CHURCH, YOUR WORK, YOUR COMMUNITY. I'M STILL ACTIVE IN THE WORLD. AND IF I HAVE TO MAKE MORE donkeys SPEAK TO GET YOU TO SEE THAT, I WILL. BUT TRUST ME, IT'S NOT OUT OF CONTROL. IT ONLY SEEMS LIKE CHAOS, But things are moving in a direction that are going to bring into fulfillment what I have purposed for you. We see this in the ministry of Israel, we see this in the life of Jesus, and we see God's activity here and now in the lives of our people. As I sat with Jen and Connor this week, it wasn't a moment where this truth became self evident. It certainly wasn't a moment where I could look at them and say, God's got a wonderful plan and this makes a lot of sense because it doesn't. And so I don't say this lightly. I don't say this in a way that is trite. I don't say this in a way that says, I know that things are hard and I know you've got pain in your life, but just smile and say praise Jesus because it's all going to be okay. For Jen and Connor, it is not all okay this week. And I'm confident each and every one of you have had moments in your life where it has not been okay. But God comes into those moments. And like the Red Sea, He doesn't bring us out of it, He brings us through it. And as one who's had pain in my life, as one who's made huge mistakes, I know that God one day uses those things for the glory of Him. I've mentioned it before, Karen and I lost our first child, and as I was sitting with Jen and Connor, I couldn't help but realize that Jillian's life suddenly had purpose for Jen and Connor. One day, Noah's life is going to impact someone else, because God doesn't waste anything, and it is It is not good. It is not right. It is not easy. And I don't like that this happened. But God is still sovereign. He's still on the throne. And He's making donkeys speak to remind us because we can trust that He is not done yet. And so we can still walk. We can still live in hope. We can still trust that He is doing something And he's calling us to live in obedience. And this is the big one. This story is really about a man not taking no for an answer. He was given a clear no. I have time and time again in my life, and I'm not proud of this, I've had a clear no. And yet I've gone and done it anyways. God's calling his people to listen. When you know something is not right, when you know you're not supposed to be doing it, we're called not to give in to that self-gratification. You see, Balaam tried to do an end run around God, and I think we try to do end runs around God all the time. Maybe you don't, I do. And so God's calling us to trust him with our story, trust him with our history, trust him with all of the events that have been happening in our lives, trust him with the healing, trust him that he will meet us right to the very end. You see, Balaam's donkey still serves us. He serves a purpose of reminding us that there is a holy God who is in full control in all situations and in the lives of his people. Were called to serve him. And in this Shrek story, this wonderful story of a talking donkey where God stood against forces that wanted to curse his people ended up turning the story and bringing blessing instead. And how did Israel respond? They responded by disobeying once again. This is our pattern, church. This is the way we tend to do things. We get incredible blessings from God and then we respond in disobedience. And here is the wonderful hope of the story. God comes back again and again and again to remind us he is sovereign, to remind us that he loves us, to remind us that he is in control and he carries out his part and he calls us to carry out our part And in the midst of it all, we can go through life with these major cataclysmic events happening around us. War, famine, fire, climate change, reconciliation that doesn't seem to be happening, a history that sometimes is embarrassing and shameful, our own stories where we've made colossal errors and mistakes. And as we struggle forward, Post-COVID, leaning and learning, leaning on God and learning about what he wants us to do. In the midst of it all, there's this donkey. God's plans will come to fruition. He still loves you. He's still keeping you safe. And I take great hope from this. God remains active in all that we do. And so let's remember. Let's remember. Because when we're finding ourselves in those deep moments of pain, when we're finding ourselves in those deep moments of doubt, when life is happening around us and it feels like it's completely out of control, when we don't like the story We have the temptations at that moment to ignore the no, to step in and do what we want to do, to try and medicate ourselves in whatever way we can. And God is saying, I love you, trust me, I'm still active in this world. That's the story of Balaam. I'm going to pray. I'm not sure I've landed this sermon very well. But that's okay. I want you to remember this. God is good. God is still active. And God brings us hope every single day. My prayer is, unlike Balaam, you can see what God is doing, that you can hear what God is doing, but if you can't, trust me, He'll get your attention. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to go have a picnic. And... uh, Yeah, let's listen for what God is doing. Father, I ask that you would give us that deep sense of hope. Lord, I confess this has been a very, very hard week for me. Lord, I lift up Jen and Connor to you once again. Lord, I ask that in the midst of events that are happening that that have no easy answers that you would remind us of your presence. And Lord, right now the world feels like it is out of control. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us that it is you who remains in control. Lord, I ask that you would gift us with that sense of your presence that we could see and that we wouldn't need others to point you out, but we would be attentive to your movement. But thank you, Lord, that you even use creation to get our attention. And so, Lord, may we remain faithful. And may we sense your presence. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.